morning. 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 I'm happy to introduce our guest speaker. I guess we'll be seeing him soon. Uh, I'd like to be able to see him while I introduce him. Okay. Let's see if we can see him. Uh, there he is. Uh, our guest speaker, uh, Shohaku Okamura. Uh, I'm, I'm honored. Uh, I'm honored because uh, uh, I have known Shohaku Okamura for a long time, and he's been a teacher of mine. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, I'll read it, and then talk a little bit. Uh, uh, Reverend Okamura founded uh, and became abbot of the uh, Zen Center in Indiana called the Zan Shinji uh, in 1996. That's after he left here. Uh, he's been abbot there ever since. He was abbot here from 93 to 96 at a transitional time when Zen Center was not at its best, but, but Shahako Okamura really stabilized things here so we could continue. And um, he's also served as the director of the Soto Zen Buddhist International Center for some years. Um, and most of you know him if you know him through his translations of Dogen. Uh, he's really, from my point of view, and of course I'm biased, the foremost translator of Dogen uh, in the West. And he's done some, some wonderful, wonderful books. I know Ted just finished uh, in the spring leading uh, a study group on uh, uh, Shahaka Okamura's Ma uh, Mountains and Waters Sutra uh, by Dogen. And we've done Genjo Koan and Shahaka Okamura's Genjo Koan. So I'm just delighted. Oh, also, I will say that when I was a young man and, and Shahaka Okamura was even a younger man, I, I visited him. He won't remember this. I visited him in a Valley Zendo in Massachusetts. That was about 1982. And um, uh, he had started a little Zendo in Massachusetts, which is a beautiful little place. And they did only meditation, which is he got that transmission from his teacher Uchiyama Roshi was really to emphasize Zazen. Uh, Ochiyama Roshi called it Zazen without toys. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm so happy to have Shohaku Okamura here with us this morning, and um, I'll turn it over to him. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I think I was asked to give a talk on the occasion of 50th anniversary of uh, MZMC. And I remember uh, when I, I was in Minneapolis, I think probably 1993, we had celebration of 20th anniversary of MZMC. That was long, 30 years ago. Uh, I don't believe since then, 30, I have been living in this country for 30 years. And now I'm 75, uh, much older than Katagi Roshi when he, was, he died. 
Well, uh, this time I said I was going to talk on one Chinese poem by Dogen Zenji uh, because Katagiriyoshi took the mountain name of his two temples from this poem. Uh, but I'm sorry, but I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I found I only had uh, 45 minutes. And I, when I started talk on Dogen's poem, it's much, it takes much longer. And, what, and another reason I changed my mind was uh, yesterday, as a kind of a preparation for this talk, I visited the website of MZMC. And I found the video of Katagiroshi's funeral. Uh, I started to watch that video and I couldn't stop. It was almost two hours. And uh, uh, during the funeral service, uh, I found Katagiroshi's uh, Yuige. Yuige it, uh, is bequeathed verse that was uh, he wrote this verse right before his death so this is kind of uh, his will and i knew his uh, uh this poem uh, and quoted in this book uh, living by val this book is based on my lectures at MZMC. Anyway, I quoted the English translation of Katagiroshi's final poem, but I didn't see Japanese original. But on that video, you know, the both sides of Katagiroshi's altar, in this side, uh, English translation, and another side, uh, Japanese original, both are there. And I found, I finally found that original version or original uh, poem by Katagiroshi. Actually, it was written in Chinese. And uh, I finally understood, uh, fully understand what his uh, poem means. Uh, so I'd like to talk about this poem. <clears throat> Let me first read in English. You know, this is very beautiful, but a very short poem. Uh, if we want to read, uh, this appeared in, the, in my uh, preface of Living by Val, uh, page somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so his poem is as follows. Living in Val. Silently sitting, 63 years. Plum blossoms begin to bloom. The jeweled mirror, jeweled mirror reflect truth as it is. That's it. Let me read it again. Living in Val. Silently sitting, 63 years. Plum blossoms begin to bloom. The jeweled mirror reflect 
truth as it is. And uh, the Chinese or Japanese original I found is Gang Shou Mokuza Rokuju San Nen Baika Misho Hokyo Hokyo Nyozen Gansho Mokuza. I think everyone, one, all of you know what Gansho means. Living in vow or living by vow. And Gansho is the name of the city center uh, of MZMC, Ganshoji. So he uh, used uh, his name of his temple here. And Moku is silent. Za is Zazen. And Rokuju San Nen means 63 years. That is the age he died. So he is saying, uh, living by vow or living in vow. So his uh, life was based on his Bodhisattva vow. And he practiced silent uh, sitting for 63 years. And Baika, Baika is plum blossom. And, uh, no, this is not right. It's right, this. Uh, as a sound, Misho. Mi is slightly or a little bit and uh, sak is bloom. So uh, that is, this translation means, plum blossoms begin to bloom. The ho, this is Hokyo. This is the name of another temple Katagiroshi founded. Hokyo is a jeweled mirror. And Nyozen, was in this, in this English translation, truth as it is, as it is. Another possible translation is uh, suchness or thusness, the way things are. So, jeweled mirror, that came, that is the name of Hokyoji, and came from Tozan's Hokyo Zanmai. So within this jeweled mirror, uh, the reality as it is, is reflected. Uh, what I didn't understand is the, why he uh, used Baika from Blossom. Uh, of course, uh, I, un I understood. He used this, this baika or plum blossom as a flower of dharma. So he, 
as a result of his 60 years of practice uh, based on his vows. Uh, he founded two temples, uh, Ganshoji and Hokyoji, and the Dharma flower started to begin to bloom in Minneapolis or in Minnesota. I think uh, that is the meaning, but I didn't understand why he used Baika, because he passed away in March, early March, and in Minnesota, in March, there's no flower. <laughs> I never seen plum blossom in the winter of Minnesota. So I was, uh, I didn't understand what this means. But uh, when I found this expression uh, on the uh, altar, at Katagiro's funeral, I understand, I understood. Uh, he plays the words, play with the words. So this is to bloom, but uh, this kanji, to bloom or saku, can also means to laugh, laugh or smile. That is this kanji. And me, uh, sound is the same. So, misho uh, means misho. Uh, this is the expression appears in the story of Dharma transmission from Shakyamuni to Mahakashapa. Uh, when, uh, I think you, you know the story. When Shakyamuni, uh, sat on his seat. He, at that time, he didn't say anything, but just hold a flower. This is called Udumbara flower. And he, uh, even though people expected him to give some discourses, but at that time, Shakyamuni didn't say anything. And only Mahakashapa smile. That is uh, this kind of misho, hagam misho. So this is the word I think Katagiroshi picked, picked up from that story. And uh, he, he used blossom uh, as a flower Shakyamuni hold. And uh, to understand, to connect what Katagiroshi right here and, and uh, Dogen Zenji, uh, I think it's interesting. And I think that is what he really want to say. Uh, you know, he uh, wrote one fascicle of Shobo Genzo entitled Baika from Brosam. And uh, <clears throat> In Shobo Genzo, Baika or Plum Blossom, uh, <clears throat> uh, he quote one saying, one poem by his teacher, Tenton Ryujin or Tendo Nyojo. And the saying is, uh, 
My late master, the ancient Buddha, in his formal Dharma Hall discourse, said to his assembly, and this is a poem by Dogen's uh, teacher. At that time, Gautama lost his eyeball. In the snow, there was a plum blossom on a single branch. Right now, everywhere, thorny branches are growing. Instead, I laugh, here another laugh, I laugh at the spring wind blowing vigorously. Uh, in this poem, uh, Dogen's teacher said, at the time Gautama, Gautama referred to Shakyamuni, Shakyamuni Buddha lost his eyeball. In the snow, there was a plum blossom on a single branch. So we need to understand what this losing eyeball means. And this is my understanding. You know, uh, the very basic teaching of Shakyamuni Buddha was a dependent origination. And that means uh, when uh, subject and object or I and color or form and other six uh, sense organs and six object of sense organs, when uh, they meet, they encounter, we have uh, six consciousnesses. And this encountering is called uh, contact. And from contact, we have perception, uh, no, sensation, perception, formation, and consciousness. And somehow, somehow in this uh, uh, <clears throat> process, of our five skandhas function, somehow we have clinging. The clinging is shoe, that is the ninth of the 12 rings of causation. And that came from I, I is tanha or craving. So from contact, we have like and dislike and clinging to something or attachment. And another side, another teaching, another sutta says, uh, you know, from contact, uh, we have sensation. From sensation, we have thinking, intellectually. Thinking and prapancha, prapancha is a, a <clears throat> conceptual way of thinking. And based on conceptual way of thinking, we have a, uh, Vikalpa. Vikalpa is a false discrimination. So from a contact, we have two, our five scandals work two ways. One is uh, emotionally, we think I like this, I hate that. That is this side and, I th and we also intellectually think this is this and that is that. So we make discrimination. And these two 
combination of emotion and thinking, intellectual thinking, we create karma. We based on, we take actions based on these two sides of function of our five skandhas. Then uh, we create samsara. And uh, some of the parties that says, if we don't have contact, we don't have, you know, this process. So uh, that is what when Shakyamuni Buddha lose his eyeball. Do you, make, do you understand what this means? This means uh, another sutta in Pali said, I think Shariputra said, when two sheaves of reed, sheaves or a bundle of reed plant, uh, and they lean each other, they can stand. But when one thing, one side uh, fell down, another side also fell down, fall down. That means this is one side, this is another side, subject and object, or eyes and uh, in the case of Buddha's awakening, he, when he was sitting under the Bodhi tree, he saw a bright star, bright morning star. So, uh, Shakyamuni saw uh, the morning star with his eyes. But if he lost his eyes, what happens? The object disappeared. So, this fell down. Uh, that is what when Gautama lost his eyes. Means, uh, of course, Shakyamuni didn't disappear. And the morning star didn't disappear. They are both there. But something disappeared is this dichotomy. Dichotomy between subject and object fall down and it become one thing. Or we can say Shakyamuni's eye is lost, so only a bright star was there. No self, but only the bright star is there. Or we can say bright star disappeared, only Shakyamuni's eye are there. That means uh, this is only simply one reality without separation between subject, self, and object. That, you know, oneness appeared. And that is what, you know, uh, the last line of Katagiri Yoshi's poem, uh, within that jeweled mirror, thusness is reflected. This thusness is oneness of uh, these, not only these two, uh, Shakyamuni and the bright stars, but each and every beings within this network of interdependent origination become one, one thing. And we are simply uh, part of this interconnectedness. And uh, in Shobogenzo Baika, Dogen use uh, this plum uh, blossoms as a symbol or metaphor of this interconnectedness. You know, the famous saying of Bodhidharma is one flowers, one flower opens five petals. 
I think everyone knows, you know, one plum blossom has five petals. Uh, and this is one flower. Is this one flower or five petals? It's a simple question. Both at the same time. That means Shakyamuni is one part of uh, plum blossom and bright star is one part of plum blossom. And each and every being within this interconnectedness are part of uh, plum blossom. Does this make sense? I hope so. <laughs> so uh, this is uh, the, so I, you know, uh, I if an, I give a talk because we don't have plum blossom. I always use this thing. This is one hand, but this is also can be called a five fingers. Uh, and one thing, one hand and five fingers are exactly the same thing. And there, there is nothing beside this. Only five petals and one flower, and they are exactly the same thing. When we call these five fingers uh, in Zen uh, expression called G, or phenomenal or concrete, and when we call this one hand, when we call this one hand, even though five fingers are still there but it's lose that independence. They are all simply one thing. That means each finger lose their names. You know, uh, this is some, and each finger has a name and shape for a different. Uh, so they are all unique and function differently. But when we call this one hand, it is simply one thing. So five fingers lose its uniqueness, but function as just one. And when we this uh, indoor net as a collection of you know innumerable beings, then it's a collection of individual beings. But when we this interconnectedness or indoor net as one net, then there's no such individuality. So there are always two sides. Another side called Li and Ji, or in famous uh, Sandokai, this is called sameness and difference. Difference and sameness are merging. So I think Katagiros used this Baika plum blossom as a symbol of interconnectedness. And when we sit that is Mokuza within this silent sitting, uh, we don't see oneness as an object because there's no such object in our Zazen. Only this person sitting and all other things are happening in the Zendo or outside the Zendo but those are not object of this person sitting. I'm sitting and those things are happening. 
but there's no subject-object relation or separation. Uh, only problems is, you know, the final uh, sense organ and object final sense organ is mind and object of mind is thinking or thought. Uh, this is really difficult to uh, see, you know, thought in which I'm Roshi's, uh, expression, thought are coming and going, but I don't think. I'm just sitting. Within this just sitting, you know, thought are coming and going. And yet this is my this is not my action. So there's no subject object separation and relation. So uh so what Katagiroshi want to say is uh when Dalman Brosan blooms. The separation between subject, object, person sitting, and all other things, including thinking, coming, and going, uh, become only one thing. I think that is the meaning of uh, Lujin, Dogen's teachers are saying. At that time, Gautama lost his eyeball. In the snow, there was a plum blossom on a single branch. So it, it's, it's still in the winter. Uh, the land was covered with snow, but the plum blossom is the first flower. It blooms even uh, in the snow in the winter. Uh, but, the, the, but this uh, flower, plum blossom is a symbol of spring that is coming. So uh, this is an uh, image of uh, plum blossom in, Dogen, in Dogen's teacher's poem. And uh, about this poem by his teacher, Dogen uh, made a comment. He says, this is Dogen. When the ancient Buddha's Dharma wheel, that is his teacher, Nojo, ancient Buddha's Dharma wheel is turned to the, to the remotest corners of the entire world. So this teaching of uh, Brambrosam, one Brambrosam in the snow, turned to the remotest corner of the entire world. This means this dharma is working within this entire uh, network of interdependent origination. And this is a time for all human and heavenly beings to attain the way. So when we see this reality, all living beings are attained the Buddha, uh, Buddha way. And the same holds true even for cloud, not only human beings, but true even for clouds, sun, wind, and water, and for grasses, trees, and insects. Indeed, there is nothing that does not receive a Dharma blessing from the function Buddha's 
I'm sorry, from the ancient Buddha's expression. So heaven, the earth, and the homeland, everything within this world, are turned by this Dharma wheel and function vigorously like jumping fish. So he, Dogen, praised his teacher's poem. And a little later he says, uh, a plum blossom in the snow. Only one hour, few plum blossom in the snow is the one time emergence of the Udumbara flower. I think people at MZMC is familiar with this flower, Udumbara flower. I'm not sure if still uh, published or not, but the newsletter from MZMC was titled Udumbara flower. And this is a symbol of uh, Buddha Dharma. And it said this flower blooms only once in 3,000 years. And that is Baika for Dogen. So a plum blossom in the snow is the one-time emergence of the Udumbara flower, flower of Dharma. And how often, how often do we see how often do we see our Buddha Tathagata's true Dharma eye? That means each and every beings within this network. Uh, and uh, Puran Brosam is only one example of all beings. Uh, Buddha Tathagata's true Dharma eye. True Dharma eye is Show Bo Gen. Show Bo is true Dharma and Gen is I, so Dharma I, true Dharma I. You know, this Baika or Pram Blossom is true Dharma I, and not only Baika, but all beings, including ourselves, within this Indra's net, are true Dharma I. If, when, you know, this uh, leaning, dependence fell down. And in Dogen's expression, this is called dropping of body and mind. So our Zazen, is itself dropping of body and mind. And same thing happening in Shakyamuni's sitting under the body tree, and Dogen Zenji's Zazen, and our Zazen here and now. So uh, Dogen said, how often do we see, we are always seeing, our Buddha Tathagata's true Dharma eye, Yet, and yet, miss, we miss his wink and fail to smile. So Shakyamuni was always holding the flower, this flower. And we, we see 
y the flowers of always and yet we don't understand what this means and we fail to smile but what Katagiro is saying in his poem is uh, when brown blossom blooms we smile and at least he smiled and this is his zazen and this Prambrosam start to bloom because of uh, you know his uh, activity, teaching activity at MZMC or Ganshoji and Hokyoji. So this is what he tries to transmit from uh, Japan to the United States, and he said it start to bloom. Uh, I think that what, what he felt when he was dying, so he had no regret. Uh, I, I first met Katagiri Roshi in 1972, that was the year he moved to Minneapolis from California. Before moving to Minneapolis, I think he, he and his family went back to Japan. And uh, in the spring of that year, 72, he and his family visited Antaiji. That was uh, right after I started to practice at Antaiji. I was 24 years old. So that was 51 years old years ago. So probably I met him uh, before many of uh, people in Minneapolis met him. And uh, next time I met him in 1977, five years later, I was, as uh, he introduced me, I was at Barezendo in Massachusetts. And I think Katagiroshi visited Boston and he gave a public talk at Shambara Center. And somehow, uh, accidentally or coincidentally, I was in Boston and I could hear uh, his Dharma talk. I forget what he said, <laughs> but I remembered after his talk, I visited him and we talked about Hokyoji. That was right after MZMC bought uh, the land of Hokyoji and he talked about the plan. And because I was working in the woods in Massachusetts and he, he said he was going to start the same kind of work so I offered my, if uh, I, can, I could help, I could go and help him. But somehow uh, there's no chance to visit the Hokyoji or Ganshoji. And next time was when, uh, I think 1983, uh, I returned to Kyoto in 81 and lived in a small land temple. And that was right before and right after 
I married Yuko. And Katagiroshi and Tomoe-san with three of their students uh, came to Japan and stayed with us at that temple named Seitayan. Probably that time I took them, uh, I mean, Katagiroshi and Tomoe-san to Chamoroshi's place. And uh, in 1988, so again, five years later, I had a chance to, no, uh, Katagiroshi had a <clears throat> sabbatical, I think three months or six months, and he, they lived in Hamamatsu, and I visited them at their place. And again, he came to Kyoto because they wanted to meet with Uchiyamaroshi. So I took them to Uchiyamaroshi's house. And I think in the same year, Katagiyoshi came again to Japan and uh, led a one-month Tokubetsu session. <clears throat> and he was a main teacher. And I was one of the young assistants. And at that time, he he gave Teisho on Shobo Genzo Kuge. Kuge is flower of emptiness. And that was the first time I heard, I listened to a uh, lecture on Shobo Genzo in English. Until then, I couldn't think I could translate Shobo Genzo or I could give lectures on Shobo Genzo. But, uh, you know, he, Katagiroshi gave lectures on Shobogendo. I found, I felt it's not impossible. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I was already working on translation, but I tried to translate it relatively easy to understand. But uh, until uh, since then, I gradually translated Shobogendo and uh, had a Genzoe after I moved to Bloomington for almost 20 years. I gave uh, lectures on Shobo Genzo. So I, yeah, I have, I have uh, gratitude to Katagiroshi's uh, Teisho of Shobo Genzo in English. At the time, actually, he asked me to make translation for not Katagiroshi's, but uh, Narasaki Tsugen Roshi's lecture on the precept Kyoju Kaimon. And Katagiroshi sent me uh, his translation of Kyoju Kaimon, English translation of Kyoju Kaimon. And uh, in order to translate, uh, Narasaki Roshi's lecture on Kyoju Kaimon, I tried to make my own translation to understand the fat dog and lord. That was my first translation of Kyoju Kaimon. And we are, I'm still using, still using that translation, of course, devised many times. So I had, I had, uh, I, I was fortunate to have some connection and uh, had a chance to practice with Katagiroshi. Uh, 
and I didn't think I would go to Minneapolis to uh, help MZMC after his death. But somehow uh, teaching there uh, at MZMC was really helpful for me to learn how to teach in America. Anyway, uh, it's already 47, so I need to stop. So I really, I'm really appreciate your invitation to uh, give a talk today. And I talk about my connection with Katagiroshi and my understanding what Katagiroshi said in his final uh, poem. Uh, if you have some question or comment, please. Hi, hi, uh, Shokamura. Uh, I wanted to let you know. Can you hear me? Uh, yes. Could you speak okay, hi, a little I'm louder? I'm Benton. Hmm? I, I'm Benton. I am uh, Ted gave me the name Ganshou when I was, mm -hmm. uh, when I got my, uh, uh, not transmission, uh, when I became a Buddhist. And you helped me find the, uh, the, the, the Kanji translation for it. And mm -hmm. Ted named me this because of my dedication to the Zen Center. Oh. So thank you for... Thank you for your work. Oh, and thank, thank you for the I'm talk. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> okay. So it's not a question, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, not a question, just a thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'm glad. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes. Well, I, I, I'm interested when Buddha, when Buddha holds up the Udambara flower, mm -hmm. when Buddha holds up the Udambara flower, mm -hmm. he holds up all these beautiful petals and then he holds up these petals that, that don't seem so beautiful. For example, he holds up the petal of uh, Divadatu and he holds up the petal of Angulimala. And he holds up the petal of uh, Adolf Hitler and uh, Pol Pot. Um, how do you how do you find those to be beautiful? Those petals. <laughs> Could you say uh, say it again? You know, final part. Uh, your question. I didn't hear. Well, we have so many wild and beautiful petals on the Udambara flower, and then we have so many petals that we're inclined to think don't seem so beautiful. And I'm trying to get your vision of the beauty of the petals that we don't think seem so beautiful. Yeah, poems are beautiful, both Nyojo's and Katagiroshi's. Uh, but this world is, I mean, human world is not so beautiful. <laughs> terrible things are happening. So that's why we need this kind of beauty. 
and the awakening of uh, you know interconnectedness. So this teaching is really important, and uh, I'm glad at uh, in Minneapolis, Katayiroshi's uh, tradition of uh, sitting silently has been continued uh, for 50 years. I think he was also mentioning that some petals are not very beautiful. They can have splotches on them, torn, and he was connecting that to uh, Adolf Hitler and, and other people in art history, humanities history that, that haven't been that beautiful. How do we reconcile this flower that is both beautiful and not? I don't know how. <laughs> it is in a sutra uh, about the Buddha nature says uh, in that sutra it said Buddha with his uh, supernatural power appeared many Buddhas in the sky uh, and he Buddha was sitting on the lotus flower but soon after the lotus flower withered and dead and looks ugly and smelled bad uh, but the Buddha was still there within such a, uh, uh, you know, not beautiful, but and smells bad, looks uh, smells bad within such a uh, flower, dead flower. Buddha was still sitting. That is the original idea of Buddha nature. So I don't know how, but somehow we have to practice and study Dharma and try to reveal this, you know, uh, Buddha, uh, or beauty of the Buddha, or beauty of the flower, beauty of interconnectedness. I think that is our practice. So I think our practice is uh, meaningful and important uh, within this uh, world, even today. <coughs> okay. I want to thank uh, Shahako Kumara. I want to thank you, Shahako. Uh, uh, very, uh, for those of us who have interested in history of Zen, uh, Shohaku Okamura was very, has been very, very important as Kadiguri Roshi. We're really only here because of them. So I want to thank you for taking uh, almost an hour today to visit with us. And uh, uh, I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to, uh, did he leave? No, no, he's still there. <laughs> no, he's there. He's still there? He's still there? Yes. Okay. I'll, t I'll get him up for you again. All right. Well, I'm thanking him. I understand it's time for him to go now. So, because uh, uh, announcements are separate. But thank you so much. I don't thank know. Thank you very much. Him or not. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Now I'll turn it over to Jason. <laughs>